This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For connectors, cables, and more, call 920-435-2973 or visit pl-259.com. And by ICOM. Heard it? Worked it? Logged it. Visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information about ICOM radios. It's Ham Radio. Good evening, everyone. It's Ham Talk Live, episode number 234, coming your way right now. It's new radio performance from Rob Sherwood, NC0B, recorded live on Thursday, October 29th, 2020. I'm your host, Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ham Talk Live. Tonight, we're joined by Rob Sherwood, NC0B. And we will take your calls live a little later in the show. Last week, Rich Moseson, W2VU, was here to talk about some recent moves at the FCC. If you missed that show, you can listen anytime at hamtalklive.com or on your favorite podcast app, or you can listen to it over on YouTube, and you can catch Ham Talk Live on the rebroadcast over on WTWW, that's 5085 AM Saturday afternoons, about 3.30 PM Eastern time. So get your uh, performance questions ready to go for Rob. If you're listening to us live on Thursday night, you can give us a call after the interview by calling this phone number, and we'll give that out a few times here tonight so you can have it ready to go. It's 859-982-7373, and uh, we'll repeat that here in a second so you can have it ready. It's not time to call yet, but uh, it will be, so have that number ready to go. Uh, You can also send a question via Twitter. Uh, The Twitter handle is at HamTalkLive, and uh, we actually have one there already. So we'll uh, take a look at that a little later on in the show. But again, the phone number is 859-982-7373. And I'll be back with Rob right after this word from Tower Electronics right here on HamTalkLive. I'm sorry to bother you, but I'm having an antenna party and I ran out of PL259s. Oh, come in. Thank you. Would silver-plated PL259s from Tower Electronics be too good for your guests? Those will be fine. Thank you. You saved my life the other night. Oh, the PL259s from Tower Electronics? Yes, they were very successful at the antenna party. My antenna works like a charm. Then how can you ever thank me? I'll try to think of something. Don't be caught without PL259s. Visit Tower Electronics at a ham fest near you. Or visit them online anytime at pl-259.com. Or call 920-435-2973. They have adapters, cables, antennas, soldering supplies, and meters too. A clean house is a sign of a broken radio. You're listening to Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. Thanks to Scott and Jill over at Tower Electronics for sponsoring the show tonight. They help bring you Ham Talk Live each and every week. And coming up next week, they'll be at Bedford, Indiana, just down the road from me, um, November the 7th. And in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, November 13th and 14th. Or you can visit them anytime at pl 259 
Tonight's guest is Rob Sherwood, NC0B. He was first licensed in 1961 with a novice license, WN8ADV, at age 14 in Cincinnati, Ohio. He upgraded to general class in about two months, and his call sign changed to WA8ADV. And he operated as Portable Zero in the mid-70s out of Colorado and now lives there just east of Fort Collins. He upgraded to Advanced and Extra in the 80s and got his current call sign, NC0B. In 1974, Rob founded Sherwood Engineering, offering Drake radio upgrades, and he started testing transceivers in 1976. Uh, which now total well over 100, and that information is available at his website, nc0b.com, or um, Sherwood Engineering's website, s-h-e-r-w-e-n-g.com. And uh, Rob, you've been a very popular guest on the show, and and earlier tonight when I was actually talking to a a friend of yours, I said that that Rob Sherwood was the EF Hutton of Ham Talk Live. That, that <laughs> when 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 Rob speaks, people listen. So, so welcome back to the show. Well, thank you, Neil, and good evening. By the way, Bedford, in for Indiana, is where my Sherwood family farm still is over over a hundred years. Oh wow! Yeah, and you're just uh, just down the road here, and uh, I'm looking forward to. Uh, Scott and Jill pulling in here next week and uh, get to uh, hopefully visit with them a little bit and uh, hopefully the uh, the ham fest goes well there. But uh, yeah, it's just uh, just about uh, twenty five minutes down the road. All right, small world. Yeah, and and, and all the Cincinnati connections. I, I got a little bit of that uh, tonight. We're talking with. Uh, Next one of next week's guests, actually, Jay Adrick, uh, KHCJY, and uh, was telling me uh, you all went to high schools that were like uh, next to each other and and uh, and basically grew up together. Oh, yeah, it certainly goes back to high school days. And actually, one time before I could even drive, I was out with this whole gang and they were a little bit older than I am by a few years. <laughs> and uh, uh, my parents didn't know where I was once I got home a little bit late so um it was kind of funny but uh, we had a great time visiting radio stations <laughs> in the middle of the night <laughs> well jay's going to be on uh, next week along with lee height uh, kate cli talking about um the drake exhibit over at the voice of america museum of broadcasting in uh westchester which is northern uh, cincinnati ohio so we'll be uh, talking about that a little bit later but tonight we want to talk about uh some of the some of the modern gear, uh, you were here, um, in January of 2018. It's been, it's been way too long. And the, the ICOM 7610 had just arrived on the scene. I believe you had tested it, but hadn't run a contest with it yet. If I remember correctly. And, uh, there's all kinds of, of new radios that have been released since then. And, uh, I know you've got an update, uh, from last time too, on the, um, ICOM 7300 to talk about. So we'll, we'll get that in here in a little bit. Uh, but tell us about the, the new radios that have been on the scene since, uh, the release of the 7610. Well, actually, because I did listen to our chat from two years ago, uh, the 7610 came up. My dro- wife drove it up just in time to hook it up for uh, the first time in a contest. So I just barely got it on the air. But since then, I have two of them. And uh, so, for instance, CQ Worldwide was just last weekend. And I had the two 7610s and the TS-890S and had a ball. Conditions were amazing um, after certainly a dearth of sunspots. So the um, the contest gods were on our favor this time. I unfortunately was was tied up with uh, with family stuff and, and wasn't able to get on, but I hear fifteen and ten was just a, a pleasant surprise. Well, I had seventy seven contacts on ten, and I think two hundred sixty one on fifteen, so it was a ball. Oh, that sound sounds great. Well, well, tell us a little bit about uh, about the you know um, the seventy six ten now that you've you've got a second one and you're. Uh, you've had a chance to, to really put it through the, um, 
Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I've lost lost my word here. You, you've put it through the paces. Right. Well, the reason I have two, and actually that plus the Kenwood, is I have three operating positions here at the contest station. So I changed bands by changing chairs. So like during the daytime, I had uh, 10, 15, and 20 set up on the three different radios. Uh, the thing that I really like, about this 7610 that I don't need to use very often myself, but the uh, noise reduction is very nice. That's probably the first radio that I've ever, that in the 7300, uh, used the noise reduction. And then, of course, the noise blanking's there, too. Uh, so it's just got a big screen and uh, very simple to use, and um, you don't have to go into a lot of menus on a daily basis. So it's worked out very well, and I've had them, actually, both of them were, produced or at least sold in December of the first year they shipped here. And, you know, so uh, they've both been around over, well, just coming up on two years. And, and I know you, you mentioned that you had an update on the 7300 from last time that you wanted to make sure to, to get in. So let's talk a little bit about it. Okay. And I think that's a, a fantastic radio, whether it's your first radio or you've got several radios. It's just a wonderful box. Well, when it's shipped – the something called IP plus, which is a, a dithering method of linearizing the ADC chip, the analog to digital chip, well, it caused the noise floor to degrade about between 11 and 13 dB. But ICOM fixed that. I don't know the exact serial number when that happened. It was a long time ago now. So my first one was a serial number of 1400 range. But then I bought a second one, maybe like a year later, it was like 12,000 and something. And then a friend of mine in Alaska has one at the 10,000 serial number range, and his is fine. So I don't know when that happened, but, of course, now they've sold over like 45,000 worldwide. So that issue that really was not a deal killer at all, but that's been fixed. Okay, very good. Yeah, I remember uh, that was a a big deal, especially if you were – going to do like field day or something with it and then i remember uh using uh hours at school for that and and actually it worked just fine so um that sounds like uh that's been taken care of well what are some of the other um some of the other rigs um actually i guess while we're we're on the icom uh bit here um i know you you have a 705 on the way but you've been able to get some numbers on it and um, so let's talk a little bit about it while we're on the ICOM thread here. Okay. Well, I'd hope to get one from Ham Radio Outlet in Denver on Wednesday, so I could throw it through the lab in a hurry, and it actually didn't come in until today. But I was already halfway to uh, this QTH, and uh, so I'll get it on Tuesday. I did get to talk to uh, K0MD, Scott Wright, who uh, publishes national contest journal uh, you know through qsd and uh, of course if you subscribe to qsd and our league member you can now get that downloaded um, uh, as a pdf so um, he's been using it a short time he actually ran some sort of a ready contest with it now scott has well let's say a pretty good tower it's 130 feet tall and it the whole tower rotates and he's got stacks on that tower and he had the little 705 hooked up to his uh, fancy antennas so he was quite happy with it. I got some numbers out of a friend in Europe, and it looks like the numbers are going to be pretty much in the ballpark of the 7300 as far as noise floor and dynamic range and things like that. So it looks like it's going to be a great little uh, QRP rig. And I actually, I'm going to run it not QRP. I'll let it drive my alpha amplifier in the uh, ARRL contest in December, the uh, 160-meter CW, the 10-meter CW and single sideband, and probably the W1BB 160-meter contest. So I'm going to have fun with it uh, driving in a linear. Oh, okay. Very good. Yeah, uh, Scott has has raved about it and and said that uh, he can't tell the difference in the receiver between that and the 7610, and that's, that's pretty impressive. We did a little video back and forth for about 45 minutes a couple of days ago with Scott, and that was fun, like seeing his shack and, and him tuning the radio. So uh, that was that's as close to I've got my hand on a knob, but by Tuesday I'll have my hand on a knob. All right. Well, we look forward to uh, to hearing about that, and, and I guess, as, like I said, as long as we're on the ICOM thread here, uh, 
the uh, IC9700 is, is one that's been out since then, too. So we'll talk a little bit about it. Sure. Well, I have one of those. And I did. I, I retired my ICOM 275H. That was a 100-watt multi-mode, two meters only. Great front end, nice little radio. Had passband tuning, which uh, they later unfortunately went away to due to due to some dispute with patents. But uh, I did replace the 275H with the 9700, and I love it. Yeah, and it works uh, pretty much like all all the rest. So you figure out uh, all the functions why uh, you're in pretty good shape. And uh, full disclosure, ICOM is is a sponsor of the show, so we'll, we'll get that in there. Uh, but then you've got some some other rigs that are on here. Uh, one of the newer ones is the Yaesu, uh FTDX101D, and I'm looking at your table right now, and it's sitting at the top. And I was lucky um, in time before. Um you know, Dayton Zoom, we'll call it, or Ham Contest University <laughs> Zoom method. Um, at Ham in New York loaned me the rig in time for that. I ran it through the lab. Of course, there was a recall early on, and uh, all the rigs had to go back to California. So it got the overshoot update, ALC overshoot update, and it came back and uh, tested again, and that was corrected. And then it went back to its owner. I got to listen to it a bit in Denver. But I didn't uh, get to use a lot on the air. But it, it certainly, Yezu had made a major strides in the cleanliness of the synthesizer, which is outstanding. The dynamic range, obviously, is really outstanding. It happened to be at the top of the list by a few dB over a few other very fine rigs. So it was great to see Yezu really um, get at the top of their game. So uh, I'm sure it's been a good seller and. Um, I kind of watch the groups.io group and a lot of chatter, chatter on that. And then uh, we've got the Flex, which has been there for a while, and the ICOM receiver, which we kind of expect to be uh, pretty similar. And just uh, cruising down here, we've got the Kenwood TS-890. Correct. And actually, I was an owner of the TS-990 for three years. And um, unfortunately, a really close lightning strike that took out <laughs> several things. It took out the uh, 990. So then after um, there was the 890 didn't exist then at that point. And then I think the 890 has been out about two years. So I got one of those. And that's over here to my right right now. The thing I like about the 890 versus any other standalone uh, radio with a direct sampling band scope is the way it tunes. Uh, as I tune the radio, the, the waterfall doesn't slew off at an angle. The water, the uh, band scope doesn't sort of fade out if I've got averaging on. And so it makes it really easy. I call it like shooting fish in a barrel. It works particularly CW contact text in a contest, maybe a station every three or 400 hertz. And so I use the 890 uh, with a 10 kilohertz span on 160, for instance, and I think on 10 meters, probably a 10 kilohertz span. And I'll just see the signal on the waterfall. I centered in the passband, the, the uh, passband width highlights itself while you're tuning so you just drop that signal right in the middle of your passband whatever bandwidth you've chosen and you're dead on frequency and you work the guy and then as soon as you're done with that i'm doing snp i'm not running search and pounce so i just tune the next station so it's just a fantastic the way the waterfall and the band scope works so that's from my standpoint of contesting that's my favorite way to do cw contesting with that the way the waterfall works uh, the next one on the list is the Apache 7000 DLE. That's been interesting because Apache is, of course, it's open source software, which is different than everybody else's uh, software that's a proprietary. And so a lot of really smart hams write um, the software for the radio. The DSP software and what's called pure signal, that's the pre-distortion that makes it the cleanest rig on the air, period. That's written by Warren Pratt, NR0V, and he lives in Loveland, Colorado. It's about 30 miles from me right now. So I used that um, in a contest, the 160 contest, um, 
about a year and a half ago, uh, approaching two years. And the he's got something called a spectral noise blanker. Now, normally when we're in a contest, you know, a zillion stations on the band, if we do have a noise issue, you turn on the blanker and usually they false trigger and they just cause more trouble than they're worth. But he has this amazing spectral noise blanker that it only looks at the bandwidth that you've set on your transceiver, whether it's sideband or CW, 500 hertz or 2.4 or whatever the bandwidth is you've chosen. And it makes an approximation of what the amount of signal that's there in between the noise pulses and fills in the blanks. And it's just amazing. So the software is great. And I really want to commend them on their transmit signal. I actually am on a 75 meter chit chat eight o'clock on uh, each day of the week on 3652 that's around this area and some neighboring states and the stations that are all running apache when you look at them on the band scope they're just straight up and down absolutely there isn't any fuzz on it so you can tell who's on an apache and who's not it's just amazing and this is good for everyone because anytime we can narrow our bandwidth from a splatter standpoint and of course every transceiver has a you know less than perfect because you know perfect doesn't exist in the radio world and class a is pretty much gone the ASU used to offer class a on uh, two or three rigs but not any longer so anyway this pure signal free distortion and of course you can also sample the output of your linear amplifier when you're running full power or 500 watts or whatever your amplifier is and feed that back into the rig and it corrects to any distortion to by by 20 or 30 db it's just amazing well let's see what else we have here uh we have the flex 6400 well the 64 and the 66 pretty much are right next to each other on my table uh, there's no i think they're 1 db different <laughs> which is yeah. insignificant yep, obviously right. it's just a uh, you know, that's, you, know, you could put that down to uh, sample variation or even uh, experimental error. But, uh, of course, they do operate uh, with a computer just like the Apache. And um, so that's the difference between, like, the Kenwood and the ICOM and the Yezu, which are standalone. So you do need the computer. Some of the people run their Flex with an iPad. So that's uh, flexible. And, of course, they put a lot of emphasis on remote and actually, I was during CQ Worldwide, I think I was on 15 meters and talking to a station that I think was zone 33. But the, the operator was really in Finland, and he said, hi, Rob, you should put my rig on your test bench. He was making a joke, of course. And he said, I'm in Finland, but the transmitter transceiver is a flex, and it's uh, I think it was zone 33. But anyway, it was uh, hundreds of miles away, so that was kind of fun. Uh, let's see. I'm looking through the list here, and I think we've got one more that we have not hit on. And that would be, where did it go? Uh, I'm looking here. Oh, the Lab uh, the lab 599, the TX500. Oh, yes. That's a QRP rig, 10 watts. Of course, you can run 5 watts. And I borrowed it from a very nice amateur that loaned it to me for several days. I ran it through the lab. It's on my website. It's the most recent update. And it's very sturdily made. It's a, it's like aluminum, machined aluminum clamshell, you know, half and half. It has a band scope built in and uh, very easy to use. Uh, the numbers are quite fine. It's, uh, I think it came up at 79. And really, for years, I used to say in NW8JI, Tom Rouse, so, you know, 80 dB radios are adequate almost all the time. And I've kind of moved that number up to 85 because now we probably have two or three dozen radios that are 85 or to the to the 110 range. So it, it looks like a cute little radio. I I just did use it in the lab. I didn't, didn't uh, climb a soda mountain or something like that. But uh, it looks very rugged, and if it, if you got some sprinkles on it, it's not going to die in a little bit of rain. All right, very good. Well, we're looking at uh, the tables here um, at nc0b.com, and there's a yellow uh, bar down at the bottom. Uh, you can click on that, and it puts uh, 
all of these transceivers that you have and receivers that you have uh, analyzed um, in order. And I know you always want to talk about the order, and and, and we should do that. Um, the more extensive uh, interview about all the numbers and what all the numbers mean and, and all that um, is on the previous episode. So you go back and, and, and check that out if you're interested in digging into the numbers and, and what these ratings are. But give everybody just kind of the quick uh, – the quick spiel about how you've arranged these in order and, and what that really means. Sure. Great. And by the way, just, if you go to the homepage, there's a banner that crawls across the top of the screen. You click on that banner, it goes to the, the table as in addition to the one at the bottom. And also I think there's a broken link at the bottom on, on an explanation, but on the, uh, on the, Table page is not broken, and my <laughs> webmaster is going to fix that. But but anyway, so you have to rank the radios by some parameter, and the reason it's sorted by close in dynamic range is the is the reason I started testing radios back there in the uh, mid seventies. I had a radio that um, with the older standard test that came out in nineteen seventy five, which meant the two tone test for the dynamic range was at 20 kilohertz. And that was okay for radios designed in the 50s and 60s and maybe some, most of them in the early 70s. But it really didn't work once we had roofing filters because the, once the roofing filter came along, you had a lot of gain within the bandwidth of the roofing filter and selectivity was way downstream. And if you tested it at 20 kilohertz, that means those two signals are 20 kilohertz down the band and 40 or 20 kilohertz and 40 kilohertz up the band. Well, you're not testing anything but the first mixer and the maybe passive intermod in the roofing filter or something like that. But once the signals get inside the roofing filter and really for 25 years, all the roofing filters, like 99% of the roofing filters were 15 kilohertz wide. You can have a lot of CW signals in that bandwidth. It's really Mostly a CW issue and RTTY. Uh, for sideband, most of the time, our adjacent channel splatter, the intermods, even if we have a relatively clean signal, we still have a width that's approaching 10 kilohertz if we're going like 60 dB down. So most of the time on sideband, if a station's three or four kilohertz away, the limit isn't going to be the dynamic range of the radio, but it'll be to whatever unintended splatter comes from the transceiver but on cw of course we don't have that we do have key clicks which can be an issue and and in maybe in a field day environment transmitted composite noise but for the most part the signals are pretty narrow so if we have you know 15 kilohertz worth of signals which could be 50 signals it can really cause havoc so i started testing at 2 kilohertz spacing instead of 20, and I did that ever since the uh, about 1976, and eventually the league got there. It took a long time, but they test the 2 kilohertz now just like I do. So if you're if you're a CW op in a contest, de-expedition, pile-up band uh, type of conditions, or ready, um, that's the really the number you need to look at. Now, sometimes I get asked, well, why don't you sort it by sensitivity or noise floor? But it, I just gave a presentation in the last few weeks and showed some data on, well, the R390A has a sensitivity of 0.2 microvolts. The R4C has a sensitivity of 0.2 microvolts. The K3S with preamp number one turned on, sensitivity of 0.2 microvolts. Now, sensitivity is a sideband measurement. And then if you look at the noise floor, which is the way we look at uh, for the CW measurements, they're all within one dB of each other. So it, the radios today are phenomenal from that standpoint. You can hardly buy a radio that's not sensitive enough. And um, for that matter, we really have too much on the lower bands. Radios today are designed for 10 meters and now 6 meters. Everybody's radio covers 6 meters today. And so you've got amazing sensitivity for 
12, 10, and 6. But once we're down on 160 or 80, the band noise at night is like 30 dB higher than band noise at the daytime it is on 10 meters. So we've got all sorts of sensitivity that goes to waste. So you should be running attenuation at night for multiple reasons that I do go to in my talks. So that's the reason it's sorted that way. Of course, there's other information. How clean is the synthesizer? That's important for like 20 or 25 years that synthesizers were really the limit. But now the synthesizer in the new Yezu, in the uh, new Kenwood, the direct sampling radios, if you put a decent clock oscillator in a direct sampling radio, you're not going to have a phase noise problem or a reciprocal mixing dynamic range problem. So we're really amazing condition from the net standpoint that we didn't have years ago. All right. Well, uh, before we go to break here, I do want to, uh, to mention that, that you've retired since last time. So congratulations on that. And, uh, are, are you still doing any business? Uh, do you still have any of your, your upgrades available? What, what, what's going on with the business side of things? Well, we pretty much shut it down. Um, I'm 73. My technician has worked for with me for 28 years. He's 83. So we just decided it's time to uh, call it a day. I happen to have two or three uh, mixed fours left for the R4C, but otherwise everything's gone. The uh, cooling kits for the 781 are gone and the, uh, the little upgrade for the NRD 535. So, you know, I, I started all this in 1974 and was really kind of surprised. If you'd said in 1980 or 1985 that I would be still updating Drake R4Cs in 1999 and early 2000, I would have said, really? But there was still a lot of interest. But at some point, I had to call it a day. But I've gotten some emails that said, you cannot quit. You cannot retire. So (laughs) (laughs) what can you say? Yeah, and we're going to talk about those R4s and uh, and the upgrade a little bit next week as well. So we'll we'll save that for then. But uh, but congratulations on the retirement, and and we're glad you're still uh, testing and uh, providing all the data, and and that gives you a little more time to play radio. Hopefully, anyway. Well, well, I'm, not, we're go- I'm oh, definitely right. not retiring from testing radios. That'll go on as long as I can. <laughs> well, we we appreciate all of that, and uh, we we really uh, like all this information uh, that you provide all together in one nice, neat little package. It makes it uh, very easy to come in and do uh, the receiver comparisons. Although, like you said, most of them are are really really good these days so well we're going to take a break uh when we come back we'll talk some more with rob and we'll start uh taking your questions on twitter and on uh spreaker and on the phones at 859-982-7373 and uh, we'll come back and do that right after this word from icom america right here on ham talk live Get out and be active with ICOM's new IC705 and its optional multifunction backpack. Now shipping! The IC705 is the perfect QRP companion as you have base station features and functionality at the tip of your fingers in a portable package covering HF 6, 2 meters, 70 centimeters, and only weighs 1 kilogram or just over 2 pounds. With RF direct sampling for most of the HF band, IF sampling for frequencies above 25 megahertz, and a large 4.3 inch color touchscreen with live band scope and waterfall. The IC705 runs 5 watts with the battery BP272 and 10 watts with a power supply. Sideband, CW, AM, FM, and full D-Star functions are available. A micro USB connector, Bluetooth, and wireless LAN, integrated GPS with antenna and GPS logger, a micro SD card slot, a speaker mic comes standard, and supports QRP operations. The perfect accessory for your IC705 is the optional backpack LC192. 
that has a special compartment for your IC705 and room for accessories for soda activations or just a day in the park. Visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on ICOM radios. Join the conversation. Give us a call at 859-982-7373. Again, the number to call is 859-982-7373. Or, if you'd rather type than talk, tweet us at Ham Talk Live. Now, here's Neil Rapp with more Ham Talk Live. Here's the snap. Rap takes the rig. He breaks through the pileup. He's on 80. Now 40. Now 20. 15. 10. Two meters. Touchdown. Ham Talk Live. Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. Check out the IC705 and all the gear from ICOM at icomamerica.com slash amateur. Ham Talk Live is on the air every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time right here at hamtalklive.com. And be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And apologize for the uh, dead air there. Uh, Windows is uh, is messing with me on uh, Switching windows back and forth, and apparently the the phone. So we'll try to get that uh, resolved here. Uh, But uh, now it is time, actually, before we go back to Rob, uh, for the Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week with N9GSU. Now it's time for the Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week, the part of the show where Rick tells us a ham radio joke. The Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week is brought to you by QRM Labs. Now, here's Rick Garrett in 9GSU with today's Ham Talk Live Joke of the Week. I was listening to the local repeater the other night, and somebody started playing Don't Stop Believing. I'll tell you what, that was an unexpected journey. This has been the Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week with Rick Garrett in 9GSU. Tune in again next week for another joke from Rick. Well, there you go, a little journey. <laughs> Thank you, Rick. And it's time for your call. So give us a call, 859-982-7373, if I can get this thing to answer the phone. Uh, or you can tweet us. It's at HamTalkLive. And if you're listening to us on WTWW or on the podcast edition, you won't be able to reach us live since uh, we're doing this on Thursday night. And while I try to get the, the phone to answer, we do have a tweet here from Dan. He says, hi, Rob, uh, Dan Robinson in Maryland. As someone who benefited from your deep experience in the radio field so long, congratulations on your retirement and all the best luck to you. A tough question, but if you could line up in your head a ranking of the most sensitive and quiet HF receivers, what would that be? Okay, well, I'm going to answer the question, sort of. But we have to realize that our receivers are completely adequate for sensitivity. But that's the left-hand column. Well, noise floor, which is in that 500 hertz bandwidth, just like you see in QST. And then there's sort of the middle column that's listed as sensitivity. And I put it in microvolts instead of dBm, because if you have a radio that goes back before 1975 – no one heard of DBM in the amateur world, so I keep sensitivity in microvolts. And you can look at either of those columns, and they're not sorted that way, but it's kind of a non-issue. Let's look at the um, first few. I've got like 10 of them up here on the screen. We've got the new Yezu. Of course, they've got preamp one and preamp two in some cases. They all have preamp one at least. But look at the noise floor, minus 141 for uh, several 145, 139. And on six meters, that might be useful. On uh, 10 meters, probably 138 is plenty good in a quiet location. Now, that's the key. Most of us live in an urban environment. I would say that 
band noise, meaning RFI noise from all these electronic things we have today, line noise, switching power supplies, microprocessors in our refrigerator, our washing machine, our dishwasher, they all put out racket, your charger for your iPhone or whatever. They put out noise. Matter of fact, my four towers that are further from the house pick up way less noise from my own house as the two that are close to my house because I got lucky I have 10 acres and six towers. So, But if you're in an urban environment like I am in Denver, uh, it almost doesn't matter because local noise is terrible. I'm a mobile fan, and when I drive through a town, I might as well turn the mobile off. So really don't focus on sensitivity or band noise trying to decide on a radio because really all the good radios are just fine. All right. Well, let's see here. Uh, John W4USF says, love Rob's antenna farm. I am one jealous ham radio operator this evening. And there, there was the, you mentioned the, the six towers and 10 acres. That That's, uh, that's definitely uh, worthy of being jealous. <laughs> Well, I've been here for 13 years. My wife said, you've wanted to do this. It was kind of at the, um, when the housing market kind of crashed. And so uh, that was the time. And uh, my wife was very supportive and off we went. Well, that's great. Uh, It's fabulous that you can do that. I am in the middle of trying to get property to, to put up one and, uh, (laughs) Maybe maybe today was the first step of that. We'll see, but uh, I'm 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 fighting that battle. All right. Well, so what, the phone what, is ringing, but what, I can't answer it. So <laughs> we'll, we'll keep let trying me the, a, the tweets here. Go ahead. Let me make a comment on antennas. I consider antennas extremely important. If you want to say in order what's most important well location and maybe you can't do anything about that if but i moved out in the country and then antennas and operator skill and you could argue well operator skill antennas maybe you'll flip them around and then the radio so really put up the best antenna you can and on the upper bands when we can have a tri-bander or a monobander or whatever there's nothing more important than the directivity of a yagi or a quad or whatever it is i happen to have two yagis per band like on 20 and 15 and 10 and in when so they'll be pointed in different directions during a contest it's like two different bands you can't believe the amount of attenuation and since you know, maybe you rotate your beam around and you say, well, I guess it helps. But the, when you can flick a switch and go between antenna one and antenna two in two different directions, it's like two different bands. So if you can put a Yagi up at 35 feet, it, that should be your number one priority. And, of course, higher is better. Um, and you mentioned, too, uh, while I'm still trying to reboot the phone system here, um, you mentioned, too, the footnotes there's always footnotes on on the table so let's talk a little bit about the footnotes good reminder okay well i like on that first column with the noise floor the footnote just describes the preamp whether it's on or off and which preamp that's pretty straightforward the big thing is over in the right hand column since it is sorted by close in dynamic range two kilohertz or there's also the 20 kilohertz numbers too if there's a footnote Read it carefully because it may have a big significance. Let's just look at the uh, um, K3, for instance, and um, it had different bandwidths and the different numbers. Or let me find the uh, see if I can find the KX3 because that's an interesting one. Uh, it has, th- I think, three footnotes dealing with here it is dealing with whether you were in the zero IF version, whether you had the, quote, roofing filter, or whether you were concerned about the opposite sideband rejection because the KX3 is kind of a phasing rig. If you guys are as old as I am, you know what a 20A was. That was a phasing transmitter. But you have, it's kind of a phasing receiver. So the opposite sideband rejection is around 65 dB. So if you did happen to have a signal just on the opposite sideband of your beat note on CW, let's say you liked a 700 hertz beat note, and you were on the opposite sideband at 700 hertz with a big signal, and it was 
that the rejection is 65 dB, that's that would be a, a limit in that case. So read the footnotes carefully, and there's uh, details there. And if you have a question about the footnote and don't totally understand what I'm trying to say, send me an email, rob at nc0b.com, rob at nc0b.com. All right, very good. Well, I, I know the phone lines are, are lit up, and, and I I can't get the software to, to answer, so we're going to have to resort to Twitter here. So uh, if you have something uh, to ask, uh, give us a tweet uh, at HamTalkLive, and we are actually about out of time, but uh, we'll see if we can get a couple of them in. But my apologies for for Windows update slowing everything down here um, once again. Um, the new computer is on the way, by the way. Um, Rob, what, what I mean, were your thoughts from from CQ Worldwide this weekend, too? <clears throat> well, the conditions were an amazing surprise. I spent as much time on 15 as possible and um, then went to 20 when I had to and then went to 40 later. But 40 in the middle of the country here in Colorado with a, even a two-element beam at, beam at 70 feet, trying to plow through to Europe with all the guys in the East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> a lot closer, kind of difficult, not so bad towards the Caribbean or South America. But I did keep running over to the uh, 7610 set up on 10 meters with an ACOM 1000. And uh, actually, Sunday, the opening in the afternoon was amazing. Not that it was an amazing period. Two weeks before CQ Worldwide was a 1010 sprint QSO party. And I worked one station in a, about 30 miles away. I, I um, normally work K8DEL in Cincinnati. If I can't work Dell on 10 meters, the band's dead. And I did hear him a few times for a second or two here and there, maybe five seconds or 10 seconds at a time, but uh, he didn't hear me. So I don't know what happened. Obviously, we had some sunspots and uh, 15 meters was just wall to wall and a lot of fun. So uh, I'm sure the the CQ Worldwide CW coming up in November, they're going to hope for equally good propagation. Who knows what will happen? Very good. Well, we're going to uh, to finish up here. But, um, uh, again, my apologies on, on the phones here. But uh, it was out of our control. So um, a lot of great information. And, you know, there's just so many good radios out there. And... Uh, uh, I look forward to hearing what you uh, what you have to say about the 705 after you you get a chance to play with it yourself a little bit and and um, obviously uh, there's been this big shift into uh, direct sampling and and I'm just uh, just amazed at at how quiet they are. And from the ICOM standpoint, if you can run one of them, they all work the same way, whether it's the 7300, the 7610, the 9700, or I'm sure the 705. So that's a user interface is very consistent. Um, if, if anyone would like to have a PDF copy of my re- most recent Zoom presentation, I believe it was to the Ham Radio Club in Austin, Texas, it, it includes a list of the top 18 transceivers, not the 18 counting down from my table. Because let me explain something here. There are more than one cop, more than one data point for like a K3 came out in 2008, and the K3 was updated with a new synthesizer, and then the K3S came out. So it's there at least three times. The direct sampling radios have a little more variation in the way they test in the lab. Probably don't notice it on the air, but there's second samples on several of the direct sampling radios of all the brands. So I have this list that is the top 110 down to 90, and believe me, a 90 dB radio is just fine. Clear up to 110. There's 18 different transceivers there that anyone should be happy using. Of course, the used market is now a bargain since the 7300 is so uh, inexpensive at $1,000. You can buy like a TS590S at maybe $600. So if you have a budget that uh, doesn't go to the stratosphere, it's a buyer's market in the used market. And then even some of the new ones here at amazing prices. So um, if you would like to see a PDF, just send me an 
email at rob at nc0b.com and I'll send you a PDF of presentation I just made a few weeks ago. Very good, Rob. Well, thank you so much for being back on the show and uh, look forward to hearing more uh, from you in the future. And, uh, and we'll see what radios are, are out next. I know, uh, one you're you're really excited uh, to see uh, is is the uh, new K four, right? Do we have uh, two minutes to talk about that? Yeah, we got a couple of minutes. Go ahead. Okay. Well, we know the architecture, so a straight K four. We'll call it like half of a seventy six ten. It's going to have one ADC and one set of bandpass filters, and you can get two receivers. And But if you were actually wanted two receivers on two different bands, it would have to go broadband. The K4D would be like a 7610 as far as the architecture. Two ADC chips, two sets of front-end LC filters. And, um, of course, then you could work 20 meters and 15 if you're an SO2R guy, which I'm not. You could be listening on two bands and have full front-end filtering. Then, of course, we have the HD, which we have no idea what the price on that's going to be, and that would have like a K3S built into it, a super het module with four roofing filters. That would be a sideband roofing filter and a CW roofing filter for the main receiver and one sideband roofing filter and one CW roofing filter for the second receiver, call it the sub-receiver. So we know the architecture. I think we can kind of guess the numbers. I mean, all the direct sampling radios are more or less 100 dB plus or minus a few. And then the K3S, for instance, is about 106 or 107. So I guess you'd have to assume the K4HD would be around that, maybe a couple dB higher. Who knows? So we kind of have an idea on raw numbers. Of course, features, one thing that Elecraft is saying that they will have someday is pre-distortion like Apache. And Flex has talked about pre-distortion for years. So it would be really good if uh, two major OEMs in the U.S. could offer the same thing for a super clean sideband signal that we currently only have from Apache. So, of course, I'm anxious to get one through the lab, but at the moment, uh, we're still all waiting for the K4. But I think we know it's, uh, you know, it's approximate performance level. All right. Well, we'll have to talk about that at a at a later date when that's uh, out, as well as uh, as others uh, out there on the market. So, Rob, thank you so much for being here again and uh, chatting with us tonight, and uh, appreciate all of your your efforts. And uh, enjoy the retirement, and we'll talk to you soon. Seventy three, Neil. Thank you. All right. Well, that's a wrap for this week's edition of Ham Talk Live. Thanks to my guest, Rob Sherwood, NC0B, and everybody out there in cyberspace for listening and typing in tonight and invite you back next Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern time when Jay Adrick, K8CJY, and Lee Height, K8CLI, will be here to talk about the new Drake Radio Exhibit at the Voice of America Museum of Broadcasting. Uh, for a list of all of our upcoming guests, visit HamTalkLive.com. And if you like the show, please leave us a review. Uh, that'll help others find us faster. So for now, this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, saying 7375, and may the good DX be yours.